Welcome to the Overcome Podcast, where we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. So today I got my good friend Craig Enlow here from Harrison, Arkansas uh, on the podcast. So welcome, Craig. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and, and all of that? Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, again, my name is Craig Enlow. I'm from here in Harrison. Uh, known Trevor for a long, long time. We've gotten into a lot of different adventures over the years and, you know, we've had a lot of good times. So happy to be here. Yeah, so today we're going to be talking um, just about our friendship, kind of when that started. Also, dive into talking about um, doing a Christian rock band, uh, which we thought we were pretty, you know, big back then, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> never really went uh, too far, but it was a lot of fun. And we'll also talk about uh, hunting, crow hunting. That was one of our big endeavors we uh, tried to do, which again was a lot of fun and also weren't very good at so um anyway so i'm trying to think back to when we first met um of course i went to bear creek springs church when i was young and that's where your dad um pastored and and i guess is currently not pastoring there yeah so he's moving down where did you say he's moving to he's moving to jacksonville arkansas okay so he's doing assistant pastoring down there yep. i guess so um family moving down there shortly might be losing Craig going down to Conway you never area. Know. Yeah. You never know what's going to happen with me. I, I have no clue what my path before me looks like. So I'm just kind of going to let God control where I go, what I do, and we'll see what happens. Yep. Yep. He always likes to keep us on our toes for yeah. sure. Um, so I guess that was when, so I'm 30 that I was going there probably when I was like five or six or something. Yeah. I remember when you guys were coming there, you were pretty young. And, uh, I guess our friendship really started when you got into high school and I was the youth minister out at Bear Creek and through guys like Jason Cooper, uh, who was one of your buddies from high school. Uh, we just got to hanging around a lot. Uh, you were coming out to the youth group. We did all sorts of crazy stuff. Like I remember, uh, doing like the milk chug challenge yes, or something yeah. and all you guys are out there trying to chug a gallon of milk <laughs> that, did, that did not go well no i remember but, i think james kentwell was puking after yeah, that yeah. <laughs> and we had just got back from working out so i had a drink a protein shake and then try the challenge so that was not working for me no. um yeah. but yeah i think that same night we had like some eggs in a tube and tried to yeah whoever blew the hardest it went yep. to the other person's mouth and stuff. So it was, yeah, lots of good times with that. I, I liked doing stuff that you weren't going to do anywhere else. Like one of the most messed up things that we did was I froze crickets in an ice cube and you had to put the ice cube in your mouth yeah. and get it down to just bare cricket and spit the cricket out. And I can't believe everybody did it, but uh, <laughs> everybody went along with it. Uh, I've never seen that done anywhere else, and there's probably a good reason for that. Right, yeah. I remember that one. Um, so, yeah, we – I guess it was, yeah, when we started hanging out more because I was now old enough to kind of hang with you, um, was, what, sophomore, junior in high school, really, when we mm -hmm. started playing music. Yeah. Um, I don't even remember how exactly how that started. Um, I guess I always played guitar, and you did too, and then we're – yeah. One day I was just like, hey, let's start playing together. Yeah. I know we had similar tastes in music. I know Skillet was a really big deal back then. And yeah. like the song Monster had just come out and was a big deal. And so uh, I remember that's what we played a lot 
at the beginning that was one of the the first songs that we probably tried conquering yeah uh and it just kind of took off from there we kept playing more and more and starting to write and uh really got into creating our own music and then from there it went to playing shows which we didn't play a whole lot of shows but we played a few no, yeah played all the way out so. in memphis once so yeah hard rock cafe yeah first one was at nathan p murphy's yep. in springfield um then it was the hard rock right after that and yeah. we played also a benefit here in harrison at the the park and so that was good um a lot of cover songs that we had probably i don't know what do we have like eight or ten original songs oh, or something had, yeah we had at least 10 or 12 i'd say yeah so i remember writing most of the guitar parts you know for both of us and then we put them together and you came up with some stuff as well and then you were the mastermind behind most of the lyrics i remember that one night we just cranked out several songs yeah. of lyrics and stuff so uh yeah i was not good <laughs> on on guitar i was just good enough to be able to like play a little bit of rhythm for you and let you lead the way but i uh i was definitely the weak link in the uh in the band uh, we we both got pretty good that summer uh that's all all we thought about we played every night till midnight it seemed yeah. like i remember uh um devito's being just right across the mm. way a few hundred yards from the youth building there and they finally called and yeah. asked if we would quieten down a little bit yeah so i know we about blew the roof off of that that building i think i lost some hearing during those couple oh, of years I guarantee I did. yeah um so we had me and you will youngblood mainly on drums uh ryan smothers my brother-in-law he started singing with us michael was it Kortoff or something yep, like that Kortoff. from CFO at the time yeah. was uh our bassist and he sang a little bit I think yeah. didn't he yeah he did we uh we did a show out in Calico Rock yeah, yeah at a church there and Michael sang lead for that whole show yeah I remember that my mom's cousin I guess invited us out mm -hmm. so yeah I had a few gigs um like I was saying earlier we felt felt pretty big time I remember yeah. going to uh after Nathan P Murphy's in Springfield within like the next day or so we were hanging out and we went to arby's here in harrison and i remember walking in like expecting people to be like hey it's, <laughs> it's trevor from all, it's we, all know. we know <laughs> but of course nobody you know thought anything of it nobody knew who we were yeah but uh that's just it's funny how you know you kind of like naturally crave the spotlight and, yeah. and thank your you know big stuff so um i guess that was kind of a humbling experience in itself but <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of fun doing that yeah. um i don't know if i could play any of the songs anymore I guarantee I could, and I haven't picked up a guitar but once in the past. Like, I mean, it's been like six years since yeah. since I've played. I've played one time, and that one time, I guess I was just bored out of my mind or something <laughs> because something drove me back to the guitar. But uh, no, I haven't played. Uh, I kind of found myself going through like different phases of life, and the more I got into hunting, the more I got out of music. Uh, and so when hunting came along, which that was our next endeavor, mm. I started playing a lot less guitar cause I was always watching videos on deer hunting and squirrel hunting and all this kind of stuff. And, uh, it just kind of took over all my free time. So, uh, music was a, a fun phase though. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I remember you, uh, you know, worked at Nike for a long time and, uh, you know, always had the latest Nike's on and then all of a sudden 
Craig transitioned to boots and <laughs> hunting and all this stuff. So, you know, I was all about that for sure. So you definitely had your country transition yeah, there after yeah. a while. I said I had a, a redneck uh, revival kind of going on where <laughs> I started wearing boots and going hunting and bought a truck and thought I was really somebody at that point. Right. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about our hunting days. Um, we've deer hunted together, hung stands, turkey hunted a little bit, um, coyote hunted, but mainly I guess crow hunting was our biggest thing. We've never had much success in any of the hunting endeavors. I don't, I think one time crow hunting, we, we got like six, seven, eight crow yeah. and that was our best outing ever. Right. Uh, I think it was during that competition maybe yeah it was like the first year of the, yeah. the competition that we did uh but like when we'd go out coyote hunting wouldn't see a thing when we'd go out turkey hunting wouldn't see a thing right like, i always said i was just bad luck like if i go fishing <laughs> with somebody the fish can be just killing it and nothing i think i'm just bad luck when it comes <laughs> to fishing and hunting yeah i fishing for sure i'm i'm uh, bad luck myself uh, so yeah, that tournament we were in, I think we, you know, thought we had a chance with like eight crows and then we <laughs> show up in the winter had like 83 yeah, or something. It was something nuts. <laughs> yeah. I, so. I still, to this day, I don't know how they do it because I always felt like we were doing the right things. Like we were putting out the decoys and sitting, you know, covered up, not exposed Right. I always thought we had decent setups, but we just could not get the crows to come in. And it blows my mind that somebody can get like 80 something of them. I know. I know they hunt around like uh, chicken houses and, and things like that. But still, like just the fact of one flying in, you shoot, you miss, and they all never come back. Yeah, they're gone. It's like, what are these guys doing to get them to come back? Yeah. So it's a, I guess there's an art to it that I haven't figured out. Yeah. I, we definitely never figured it out when we were going hunting all the time. But I mean, we, we got passionate about crow hunting yeah. and for as passionate as we were, we weren't very good at it. <laughs> hey, we got an A for effort. That's for sure. Yeah. That's the truth. Yeah. We built uh, our own blind. Yep. Custom design blind. I remember yeah. sending you the blueprints <laughs> Yeah, and made it out of PVC pipe and camo uh, burlap, I guess yeah. it would be. So we spray painted those and just a big, big rectangle with a overhang from the backside. But that's the hard thing with crow hunting is you have to have such cover. It's got to be, you know, really brushed in. Yeah. Yeah. So that didn't work out too well. We weren't covered enough. We always, I thought, Hey, they won't see us flying over, but they're super sharp. So if you guys yep. haven't tried it, you got to hide very well. It's tough. Yeah. If you haven't tried it, crow hunting sounds like it'd be so easy because it's just a bunch of birds and especially crow you see them all over the place they're just sitting on the edge of the road all the time mm. and you think oh those things would be easy to pick off but they're incredibly smart and they outsmarted us that's for sure <laughs> so we we had a lot of fun with that um so the main i guess tips that we fig figured out with crow hunting would be you can't let them see you you got to get in like cedar trees or somewhere that has low at least low trees because they're they'll fly low enough to actually kill with your shotgun um having the right calls which about anything will bring them in but you gotta i think that's another thing too is knowing when to transition mm -hmm. from like a fight to yeah. a normal call is it a young crow is it a regular you know a, a mature crow and then like do you use distress after you fire that first shot 
uh, and that's what brings them back. I have no clue. <laughs> so yeah, I know we we read about the scout flying in, and and I and it's cool to watch because if he does come in and doesn't see you, he'll circle back around, gather the troops, and here they all come. Mm-hmm. So there's that fine line of like, do I kill the scout? Do you not kill the scout? Yeah. How do you get them to come in? We never figured it out, <laughs> but we had fun fun doing it. Yeah, it was it was fun. We need to get back out and do it some more because it was a good time. It's it's kind of like fishing for me. Even when you go out and you don't get anything, it's still a good time yeah. just to be outside with buddies. Uh, I'm all about it. So maybe we can uh, figure it out one of these days. Right. Yeah, I was actually thinking about that uh, yesterday or today that we should go back and, and give it a shot. We still got our call that we both chipped in on and, and bought and uh, got plenty of shotgun shells. So go, yeah, I've got, go try it again. I got plenty of shells because – Lord knows I wasn't using them when we were going hunting. <laughs> um, so we will talk here in just a minute about your your testimony. Maybe dive into some stuff we're a little more well versed in mm-hmm. <laughs> in life than yeah. than crow hunting and music. But lots of good memories uh, with you and and stuff. So hopefully we can get out there and do some more of that. Um, anything else you want to talk about before we dive into that? Oh man, uh, there's there's just a bunch uh, that we've done over the years, and uh, I can't thank you enough for being a good friend to me. Uh, you know, one of the things I'm sure we'll get into is you know my whole struggle with uh, anxiety and depression, mm-hmm. and uh, you were always you know good through through that just to understand what was going on, and I always appreciated it so. Uh, not to get all like emotional <laughs> and whatnot, but right. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, now you've been a, you've been a great buddy. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it. You have been too. Uh, you know, you got to be my best man in my wedding and everything. And, um, it's kind of stunk because we did a lot. And then, you know, I got married having kids, life's busy it and is. we've not got to really see each other that much or do anything. And then that's probably my fault more than anything, but, no, no. but, uh, it's, it's one of those things being a single guy, I've seen it where one of my buddies gets married and it's kind of like, Oh man, my time with him is going to be really minimal now because right. he's got a family to take care of. So, uh, it's just one of life's deals. I mean, I would never fault anybody for spending time with their family. That's what you should be doing. So, uh, but, yeah, we're not staying up till midnight jamming out on the guitar anymore. <laughs> right. We yeah. can always bring those days back, though. For sure. We'll have to do that one night. Um, so Man, we should have had a, a song cranked up, ready to play on here. One of our old songs. We should have. <laughs> Review ourselves. What was your favorite one we had? Oh, man. I don't even know. Uh, I'm trying to remember all the songs that we had. Uh, the Tempter was one of them. Uh, yep. I was just thinking the other day, uh, there was a song that you wrote and I don't know if we ever played it live, uh, but it was an excellent song. Oh, the let it go. Yes. Yeah. And that was before frozen by the way. Yeah, so. it was. <laughs> yeah. I was just thinking about that the other day. Uh, that was probably, my favorite song to play. And like I said, I don't know if we ever played that song live. I don't think we did. I remember writing it with you. Um, I guess it started just an acoustic. I remember it was actually just during a kind of a personal struggle time of mine. 
that I wrote it just at home and, you know, just one of those songs that comes together, just kind of the words come to you and stuff. And then, um, of course we really liked it and the melody and everything. And then I remember working on it, um, but not at, and at Bear Creek at the church. And, but yeah, we never did play it, play it live. Yeah. Was that the, I think that was actually the night that that homeless guy came. Might've been. In. Yeah. That was wild. Yeah. So we had the chance to, this guy just walks in the sanctuary. We thought we were about to get shot. And then <laughs> turns out he was hitchhiking from somewhere and we got to give him some food and yeah. water and send him on his way. So kind of a, a cool, you know, uh, time to minister to somebody. So, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, who would have thought? Because like you said, somebody just walks in, you're expecting this is going to be trouble, but it was actually a, a cool opportunity to get to to share God's love with somebody that, that needed it. So it was yeah. a really cool opportunity. If nothing else, in our time of music, if that one guy was affected positively in the name of Christ, right, then it was all worth it. So maybe that's why we did the whole music was for that one guy. Who knows? Yeah, you never know. And, you know, I, I don't. I know we didn't really intentionally share the gospel with him, but we had the chance to to really just be the hands and feet of Christ and give him food and things like that. Instead of just, you know, sending him on his way, we got to, you know, uh, show our works through our faith and things like that. So, so that was, that was good. Um, I definitely know God sent him there for a reason. Um, here we go. Was that one of our, yeah, yeah that was probably yeah. my favorite. Yeah, the little was, riff I came up that with. That was the stuff. one that we, uh, we recorded here we go with Ricky McDowell yeah uh, and then I think we started all of our shows with that one yep yeah I, I've seen Ricky lately on Facebook he's been still jamming and doing yep songs and like yeah, four he's parts doing all and, his, and, yeah. his stuff it's really cool how he's been doing it and he's he's super talented the fact that he can play all the parts to it mm -hmm. is pretty impressive yeah for sure I'm just limited to guitar <laughs> And limited at that <laughs> so um so anyway so let's dive in here to uh the testimony portion of this and talk about your struggle with anxiety depression as a believer and we're going to talk about you know i guess kind of the big question that a lot of people wonder is can you be you know a christ follower and deal with these things because of course the bible says you know um you know not to be anxious about anything mm -hmm. and all that but you know, God made emotions and he knows that, you know, we're going to deal with these things. And I don't think at all for a second that it makes us any less of a Christian or any less saved or anything like that. So I want you to kind of flesh out your story of salvation, bringing us up to speed with your story of when anxiety hit and how you've dealt with that and, and, um, just spiritually kind of how that's impacted you. Yeah. Well, I, uh, I grew up in a Christian home. I had great parents still do. Uh, and I remember at a really young age, always knowing that, you know, Christians were a thing and I wanted to be one. And so I remember going into my parents' room late at night, uh, and saying, Hey, when do I get to become a Christian? And I remember my dad would always say, whenever you're ready. And I never knew what that meant for the longest time. And so I'd walk back out of there like, well, I guess not today. I guess that's the answer. Uh, but one day I walked in there and said, Hey, when do I get to become a Christian? And my dad said, whenever you're ready. And I said, I think I'm ready. I was eight years old at the time. And so he took me to my room and, uh, led me through the prayer of salvation and 
boom, just like that, I was a Christian, which I would wanted to be for so long. And uh, it wasn't until I was 12 years old when I think I really understood what it meant to like give your life to Christ and, and to be an actual Christ follower. And, uh, and so I kind of reaffirmed my, my decision to follow Christ uh, at the age of 12 and really nailed down that, you know, this is a lifetime decision, not just, I want to be a Christian like all the other people at church, but I want to pursue Christ. And, uh, since then it's been a, a journey. And, uh, I guess anybody that is saved understands the ups and downs that come with it. Uh, Mm -hmm. it's not a, it's not a smooth ride. It's, it's full of ups and downs and, uh, God's been faithful through all of them and uh, you're continuing to learn. And even when like I'm in college, I think I've got it all figured out. I went to a Christian college, uh, blessed to be around some really great Christian people all through college. I think you got it all figured out and then you get out of college and it's kind of like, all right, I don't have anything figured out. And spiritually you still have a lot of maturing to do. And so even today I'm getting ready to turn 40 years old this, this some or this uh, month. And I am still maturing in Christ and that's a process that's never going to end. So uh, just the, the constant nature of following Christ of making it an everyday commitment is something that is heavy on me at all times of knowing, you know, there's no slacking off. I can be really lazy, uh, spiritually and just say, well, I'll, I'll read my Bible the next day or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think I'm prone to be kind of lazy with my walk. Uh, I don't know why that is. I guess it's just, I'm a lazy person. Yeah. I, guess. I, think, I think we all are. Like, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's humans. Yeah. But, uh, no, that's that's kind of where I'm at today uh, is just kind of making a choice that today I'm going to follow Christ and be a, a witness for Christ wherever I'm at. And right now, he's got me at Nighthawk Custom out in Berryville. And I pray that I'm the light to the people that are around me. It's a Christian organization, a mm-hmm. uh, Christian company, and our faith is a big deal to us. And so it's awesome that I get to live my faith out there. But I hope even to those guys who are fellow believers that I'm a a light to those guys, that they see something different in me and, uh, and hopefully God uses me. And then, uh, you had also, uh, kind of mentioned, you know, the anxiety and depression and how that plays into my walk. And that's been a, a journey, uh, all itself. It started in 2006. And in all honesty, if I, if I look back at my journey with, uh, with anxiety, we were just talking about it before we started. The very first time I think I ever felt anxiety, I was actually on a fishing trip with my cousins and my uncle. And there was just something that came over me the first night that we were staying in this cabin. Something just didn't feel right. I didn't know what it was. I wasn't like freaking out or anything, something just didn't feel right. And looking back, I think that's the the first time that I really uh, 
dealt with anxiety, but then, uh, like I was sharing with you earlier, uh, the night that it really hit me, uh, I was just hanging out with some friends of mine, uh, Justin Phillips, Josh Stratton, and, uh, we went up to Branson and as soon as I got in the car to go up to Branson, I just felt something was wrong. Something was off. And so we went all the way up to Branson, got something to eat, went to a couple stores, uh, came back down to my house and, uh, we were sitting around my house and we had been talking about, you know, maybe I was still a loser at this time living in my parents' house. <laughs> so, uh, I, uh, we were talking about, you know, maybe getting in the hot tub there at my parents' house. And, uh, I just could not like calm down. I don't know what it was, but I was just pacing back and forth in the living room and my buddies were just sitting there on the, on the couch, just watching me. I, I remember it like it was yesterday, but, uh, there was just something wrong and I didn't know what it was. And so I yeah. just kept pacing back and forth and pacing back and forth. And, and they, you know, later when we found out that it was anxiety that I'd been dealing with, they, they kind of, joke that they were kind of worried for me on that night but uh uh it, it's been a lot of ups and downs i still remember a lot of the ways that i felt you know when anxiety takes over and it's a terrible feeling that i don't wish on anybody but you know one of the things that we kind of talked about before is anxiety has become so prevalent in our society yeah uh believers and non-believers alike people deal with anxiety and depression a lot. And, and it's just a, it's a lonely feeling when you're in it because you feel like your world is crashing down on you and there's not a soul that can do anything to help you. And so yeah. I had a, a lot of, a lot of nights just crying out to Christ to, to help me uh, because I knew he was the only one that could really do anything. You know, my, my parents did their best to understand the struggle that I was going through, but, they didn't, couldn't really grasp it until, you know, later, uh, in the, in the journey, I guess, but at the beginning stages, they didn't really know what was going on. And, uh, like I said, it was just a lot of, a lot of long nights of, you know, crying out to Christ to, to do something to, to help me. And, uh, that lasted, uh, gosh, Till it was there were good times and bad times there were stretches i'd go where there wasn't much anxiety or depression and then there'd be stretches where it was just constant uh but that was pretty regular up until probably 2020 so 14 years dealing with it yeah. and then uh by god's grace somebody at, at the church of bear creek uh, went to a, uh, a doctor that they recommended to me and they had an appointment set up to go see their doctor who was booked out for months and they gave up their appointment so that I could go. Wow. And, uh, and it, it changed everything. Uh, you know, I had been on different medications and tried stuff that just didn't work. And, and this doctor did a, uh, like a, uh, Oh, what is it like? Not, not a like DNA, uh, deal, but like a genetics test basically, yeah. uh, that really breaks down like how your body's 
functioning, like what chemicals are in the range that they need to be and which ones aren't. And based on those results, he wanted to put me on a new medication and it worked like a charm. I don't know what it is, but I don't, I don't deal with anxiety and depression anymore. I don't by any means think that it's just gone and that it's never going to be a, a factor anymore. I, right. I don't want to be so naive to think that, well, I beat it. I got it whooped. Yeah. Uh, but uh, for the past couple of years, it really hasn't been a factor at all. And as I was telling you, it's kind of been replaced with being tired. And that's part of getting old is I'm just tired all the time. So uh, it's uh, it's kind of a blessing uh, in disguise uh, just to have to, uh, you know, go from dealing with it over and over. But uh, God's been very faithful uh, through through all of my uh all my anxiety and depression. So like you said, God has been faithful through all this with you. Talk to us about how you grew through that. Um, you know, obviously you had to be more dependent on God. This is probably like a, you know, a, a test, a trial, whatever you want to call it, that you kind of had to buckle up and say, all right, God, I'm going to really trust you through this. Um, talk about that. And also, you know, there's a lot of believers and sometimes it may be more denominational based, but there's that, you know, struggle between do I get medical help? Do I take medicine or do I, does that make me not trust God or do I just say, all right, God, you got this. I'm not going to seek medical help. So kind of address those couple things. Yeah. Uh, as far as, you know, what I learned, uh, and how I grew, uh, I mean, a lot of it was just being forced to depend on God, which I think was a great thing. That was one of the, the blessings of going through, anxiety and depression was that it did make me lean on God more. Uh, I always, when I was in it, I always thought, you know, I'm, this is a, a modern day Job story where, mm-hmm. you know, I've been fed to the wolves and God has said, all right, you can, you know, kind of mess with him a little bit. Can't go too far. But I always felt like, you know, there was a spiritual battle going on. And so uh, I always had to, you know, just know that God had me, uh, that he wasn't going to let me, uh, you know, get so far gone that, you know, something was going to happen to me. Uh, he was He was gracious through through all of it. And I always looked at it like kind of like an anchor. Like when I, when I struggled with, uh, when I struggled with anxiety, I was, I felt more anchored to God than at any other time in my life. When things are going good, like right now, it's easy for me to be lazy right now because I'm not struggling with anxiety. I'm not struggling with depression. Uh, and so it's easy to just be like, I'm just going to live my life and do whatever I want. Uh, but when you're going through struggles, you have no choice but to rely on God. And that's a position I think he wants us in is I want them to, to need me. And because we do, we need him and we need him every day. And, uh, that was one of the, the big things that I, even in the middle of anxiety, I always tried to look at a positive from this is this is keeping me tethered to Christ. Uh, if I didn't have this, maybe I would wander off and do my own thing. 
and and kind of drift away from God. But this is keeping me tethered to him. And uh, it was it was tough, but he he grew me more during those years spiritually than any other time in my life. Like I said, I went to a Christian college. I was surrounded by good Christian people and I grew a lot in college. A lot of that was just maturing, uh, which if you talk to my parents, they'd say I probably didn't do a whole lot of maturing in college, but uh, it was, it was a, uh, a time of a lot of growth for me. And then when you, you asked about, uh, you know, the, the kind of question of, do I seek medical attention or do I just put my faith in God? It's, it's really tough. And it's probably a personal decision that needs to be made. Uh, God wants us to depend on him, but at the same time, God gave people intelligence and gave them knowledge to deal with a lot of the problems that we face. Mm -hmm. And so uh, for me, I found a doctor that had the right set of knowledge and the right intelligence for me to kind of overcome the anxiety and depression that I'd been facing. And so it was a, a good move for me. And that doesn't mean that you're not depending on God. If you get medical help, if you use medication, I use medication, but I still rely on God because he's the one that holds everything in his hands. Uh, so I think you can do both. You can trust in God, right. uh, with, with everything that you've got, knowing that he's going to take care of you because I went through nights where I felt like I was just absolutely losing it. Like I just didn't feel like I was going to be able to function mm -hmm. normally anymore. Like the old me is gone and this new me is just a mess. And God held me through those, those times. Uh, so I think you can do both. You can trust in God and seek medical attention. Uh, and then I've had people come to me because I've been pretty open about my struggles. Uh, I've had people come to me and ask me, you know, here's what I'm going through. You know, what should I do? And I, the first thing I tell them is, you know, I would fully trust in God, but I would seek medical attention, you know, medical help. Uh, because it works, it worked for me. Uh, and I'm glad I went the route that I did. Yeah. So just overall spiritual growth through this time, um, you know, what was the, the biggest, I guess, strain, uh, through this for you? Was it like day-to-day -day stuff? Was it just the anxious nights and you know, obviously like you, I've known you a long time and never once were you like, you know, taking more pills than you should or something mm -hmm. like your, your dependency on God stayed there. So, you know, that's proof there that, that it almost isn't even a balance. Like you have your mind made up as a believer that, you know, you're, you're seeking Christ with this and you're just, I guess, more so supplementing with the things that, like you say, that God made for man to, to take and, and to help. Yeah. Um, how did you grow spiritually? Cause you know, God, he never promised an easy life when 
you know, when we get saved and when we start falling after him. And I think these emotional battles is definitely part of that. And that's all part of spiritual warfare. Um, but he promises, you know, strength to get through it. And like you say, he, you know, he's seen you as somebody that could handle it, that could be, you know, a witness of somebody else going through this. So what was your spiritual um, overall growth through that? And what would you tell to listeners that may be dealing with anxiety um, themselves, uh, fear, depression, whatever it may be? Um, what would be, you know, your main takeaways from your experience to help them overcome that? What's the first steps look like? And I know you mentioned that, but you say, God, I, you have this, but then you have that bad night. And it's kind of like, all right, God, where are you at? Mm -hmm. It's a, I'm sure there was a lot of those times where you had to keep it's a daily process. So what's that kind of look like? Yeah. You kind of nailed it on the head. Like you can have complete faith that, all right, God, you've got this, you know, I'm in your hands, but then there, there are the really rough nights where you kind of feel alone and, I always said that when I was going through anxiety, I felt physically just wrong. I felt emotionally wrong. I felt spiritually wrong. Like there was no amount of right in my life. Like everything was wrong. And in those nights you do kind of say, all right, you've got me. So where are you at? You know, why am I struggling right now? But uh, one of the, coolest things, uh, that somebody pointed out to me, uh, it was my sister pointing this out that, uh, the verse is, uh, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will feel yeah. her no evil. Uh, she pointed out that you're just walking through the valley. You're not living in the valley. You're not staying in the valley. You're just passing through yeah. it and that God's with you while you're, when you're passing through it. And so that was big for me that I stopped looking at the downs as kind of like, well, God disappeared on this one, you mm -hmm. know, uh, and saying, all right, he's still got me. I'm just walking through the valley right now. And I mean, there were a lot of times when you do kind of feel uh, where I personally, I felt like, all right, where's, where's God at? He's supposed to come to my rescue. Mm -hmm. Uh in the down times, but, uh, I mean, the thing I learned is, I mean, the biggest thing that I learned was just the fact that God is sovereign over everything and he's going to make everything work for his glory. And in the end, if my struggles through anxiety and depression bring him glory somehow, some way, that's all that matters. And, he can use me even when I felt at my very lowest, like mm -hmm. I was broken. He could still use me to, to share his gospel with people. Uh, right. And it was, it was really cool to, to look at that through my journey uh, to see, you know, God is using me in other people's lives. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was a, a tough journey. I wouldn't take it back for anything. Uh, you know, on this, on this side of it, which again, I don't think I'm by any means going to say that I'm, I've beat it, that I've, I'm never going to deal with anxiety or depression again. Uh, but on this side of it, when I'm not dealing with it, God did so much through my life, through those times mm -hmm. 
-hmm. I don't know who I would be had I not gone through those times and God used those times. I, I once, uh, wrote something on Facebook about, uh, diamonds are forged, you know, over, you know, years of high heat, high pressure. And I felt like that's what I was going through, uh, that I was going through the heat and I was going through the pressure because God was changing me into something better. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't just a, a lump of coal anymore, but I was something that was worthwhile. Uh, and so, uh, I definitely would recommend anybody that's going through it, reach out to somebody who, you know, which you may know me, you may not know me from Adam. You can always reach out to me. Uh, I love getting to share my story with people and hopefully encourage people that have gone through it. Uh, you are, definitely stronger than you know you are uh god is going to give you the strength to make it through every night even when you feel like there's no way i can get through this he'll give you the strength to get through it and uh but reach out to somebody uh and talk to them let them know your struggles i think one of the biggest problems that people go through is they deal with anxiety and depression by themselves because they don't want people to look at them as being weak. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was one of my deals is like, I'm big enough. I'm strong enough. I can handle everything. Yeah. And then God brought me to my knees with anxiety and depression and said, no, you're not. I am. Right. And I think, uh, just being able to, to share with somebody, Hey, here's what I'm going through is powerful because it gives you somebody in your corner that, understands what you're going through. So, uh, yeah, anybody that's going through it, first thing I would do is find somebody that you trust and tell them, here's the battle that I'm going through. I need prayer. I need somebody just to talk to when I'm having a rough night or something. And then I would, uh, you know, find a, a good doctor. I can always recommend one. Uh, if you're in the Harrison area, uh, I can recommend one, uh, who's been good for me. And, uh, it's, it's definitely not a journey that you're going to have to go on alone. I think that's the most important thing to, to know is that you're not in it by yourself. Yeah. So that's the, you know, one of the hardest things as, as, uh, as Christians is to open it up to, you know, I'm dealing with anxiety or I'm dealing with stuff we've talked about on this podcast before, whether it's alcohol, drugs, pornography, whatever, they're real battles because we're real people. And again, that doesn't, you know, it doesn't define you. It doesn't change your belief in God, but it's what we have to work through. We have to die daily to our flesh and try to overcome these things through the power of Christ that he gives us. Um, but they're battles we're going to face. And I'm, I'm, you know, naturally kind of, prone to being anxious myself. And so I, I can relate with you to a certain degree, but still not fully like, like you went through. Um, but me and Emmy are both kind of that way. And, and we have to talk through ourselves a lot too, is like, we're not defined by our emotions. And I think I've posted a story the other day or something of a quote I seen where it's saying like feelings are kind of like waves, like they're going to come, but you pick which one you're going to surf, mm-hmm. you know, so you can't stay prison to that. Kind of like you talked about, you know, you have to, you have to push through it. And, you know, I think too, sometimes at least myself, we get hung up on, I'm doing this Christian thing to be 
like this dominant Christian, but really what it comes down to is God getting the glory through it. Mm -hmm. So if I suffer great, because he's going to get the glory, um, whatever. And, you know, I think of that verse, um, you know, kind of paraphrasing that, you know, the current struggles we have now is going to be so far outweighed in our eternal glory that, you know, it's worth it to continue to run the race. And if we have to run the whole race with, with seasons of anxiety, then so be it. You know, if we lead people across through that, if he gets glory through it, it's all a plan, a purpose. It's hard to understand, you know, mm. God, why am I dealing with this? Why is this my struggle? Um, but again, it's to bring him glory. And sometimes, you know, people see it as, you know, God punishing them or God being, you know, kind of the iron fist ruler on and being, you know, not fair and stuff like that. But that's really, that's, that's not it. Um, he's looking for ways to use ordinary people with imperfections to, to bring him glory. So um, I know you mentioned that you feel that you've, you know, went through that to accomplish just that. So that's really good um, that God's used you in that. And just you being transparent with this is, and that's the whole purpose behind this podcast again, is the transparency through testimony is that somebody out there is going to hear this, that has anxiety, that's been too scared to go to the altar, to talk to their pastor, to talk to a friend because, you know, I'm saved. I can't have anxiety and the power of you opening your, your heart up and, and saying, Hey, this is real. This is how I dealt with it. You know, you can overcome it. Um, you can at least deal with it, um, is a powerful thing. So thank you for being transparent yeah. with that. Um, any closing thoughts on your end? Uh, not, not just a whole bunch. I mean, again, you're not alone if you're dealing with anxiety or depression. Uh, and at the same time on kind of the opposite end of the spectrum, you may not be the one dealing with anxiety or depression, but you may be in somebody's life who is dealing with it and need somebody that just understands, all right, you're going through a tough time and you need somebody to lean on. And so you can be the difference in somebody's life, even when you're not dealing with it, because it is such a prevalent thing now. Anxiety and depression have become mainstays in American culture and the odds are you know somebody that deals with anxiety and depression. You may not know it, but odds are you know somebody. So you can be the light for somebody and God can be glorified through you just sharing love with somebody that, that needs it, mm -hmm. uh, being an, an encourager to somebody who needs it. So, uh, yeah, you're, you're definitely not alone. Uh, again, anybody's always welcome to, to reach out to me uh, if uh, – if you're on Facebook or something, I'm on Facebook. You can look me up, Craig Enlow. Uh, I'm a guy with a goofy beagle in my picture, I'm pretty sure. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, I, I just, I'm glad that I get to share my my story and my journey uh, with people because it's what God's done in my life. And that's that's what we've got to tell people is what, God's done in our lives. You know, he took me from lost and now he's made me into, you know, the human that I am today. And he's done it uh, by just miracle after miracle that we hardly ever recognize. So one more thing that I don't want to pass over, it's kind of popped in my head here is a lot of times with whether it's hurt, pain, grief, anxiety, depression, sometimes that becomes a person's kind of security blanket and you want to hide in that and not break out. 
did you go through the, any of that? And, if, and even if not, what's your advice on uh, not just pulling that blanket over your head and how do you break, break no, out of that? I mean, I, I definitely wanted out. Uh, I mean, my, my struggles were, were rough at times and I never, you know, had the kind of security blanket feel. I mean, I, I wanted my anxiety to, to be gone and, uh, anybody that's stuck in that, like you're just lying to yourself. Uh, God's got something so much better for you than being stuck in, you know, what, what you view as a, a security blanket of just having just me. I mean, you're secluding yourself from, from a life that God wants you to thrive in. And like I said, he's got so much more for you. So, uh, again, I would definitely reach out to somebody and let them know, here's the struggle that I'm going with. And, you know, uh, people are more loving than the media today wants to paint it out to be, uh, people want to care about people. And so, uh, find somebody that you trust and, and, uh, you know, share your struggles with them and, odds are they're going to be loving in return. For sure. There's always going to be two voices in any, any circumstance. So we just got to listen to the right one and, and pull through it. So guys, you heard it from the best Craig and low <laughs> personal experiences and a lot of wisdom through that um, of all the years that he's uh, dealt with these issues and, and uh, the Lord's helping to overcome um, and to cope and, and stuff. So I hope that this can impact you in a, in a great way. And um, so, guys, just remember to uh, get out there and share your testimony. Remember that your story could be the key to unlocking someone else's prison. So uh, get out there and share your testimony. Make a difference around you. Uh, We'll catch you next time.